Hello and welcome to the Chumba Living Podcast. My name is Charlie and I'm joined by Zach, Dan, and Eli. Say hi guys. Hey. Hello. How's it going everyone? Great intros. Today we are talking about virality and social networks in China. First, I should say what led us onto this topic of discussion. It was a recent video which went viral in China. Uh, one of the really, really particularly viral videos that I feel like nobody could avoid. Um, describe that video for anybody who hasn't heard it. Uh, you know, I, I think the video that you're referring to is the uh, uh, Uniqlo um, changing room sex video uh, that, that hit the Chinese internet about a month ago and um, really uh, spread like wildfire. Um, we should also say uh, another one of the, the videos and, and recent viral social media events that is leading to this discussion is the uh, Tianjin uh, Harbor Warehouse explosion um, that, that broke this this morning. And, you know, as we get into this discussion about uh, social media social media and viral videos and the effect on the public consciousness, we should probably start by saying that our condolences go out to all of the people and the families of those who have been affected by this tragedy. And, uh, you know, we want to have a discussion about the, the broader context within the media sphere, but we also don't want to overlook um, the immediate consequences on, on the, the, the people who were affected locally and the psyche of the nation. And uh, our hearts and, and thoughts are with those people. Right. So today, the day that we're recording this is August 13th, and the Tianjin explosion was last night around midnight, I believe. And so it's a very timely time to, to record this podcast because there wasn't only that event, there was another viral video today, which also uh, took place in Beijing, and it was the stabbing which happened outside of the Uniqlo. The same Uniqlo that the sex video was filmed inside of. Uh, just coincidental, I imagine, unless we hear something from the sword wielder that, that it was inspired by that video. I doubt it, um, that, there's any, <laughs> that there's anything. But hey, stranger things have happened, right? Um, but so explosions, stabbings, and sex videos, this sounds like a regular day on the internet, right? Why, in wait, China. I'm mean, regular day in China. I feel like... Uh, it's very frequent in China, and particularly on WeChat. I think that social media plays such a big role in this discussion about virality in China because it feels like WeChat is the conduit through which all of this stuff is transmitted. And a lot of it is shared just kind of, you know, by everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, what I found after the Tianjin explosion, right before I shared it with you guys, was multiple people just sent me these kind of horrific videos at the same time. And I'm just trying to struggle and figure out like what's actually going on because this stuff is not transmitted through any kind of traditional media sources. It's not like you know news which comes with an explanation. Yeah, I think I mean I think that's one of the reasons uh, news items spread so quickly on Chinese so social media is because they a lot of people know that they can't rely on outlets for every story. Um, some things are going to get suppressed until censors get the okay to, to let a story through. Um, I think I remember hearing or reading <clears throat> that the, the Yangtze cruise ship uh, that, that uh, capsized a little over a month ago, that uh, the first reports of that were, were held and like people couldn't get uh, breaking, like, breaking news access to that because of censorship. And I'm not sure if that's because censors were not sure that they, whether or not they were supposed to censor, like whether the word hadn't come down yet or whether there was an actual order to censor those. Anyways, uh, when people can't rely on traditional 
news outlets to get them the stories, I mean, social media, and this kind of bystander video that we're seeing for like the Tianjin explosion, and we can't really call the sex video a bystander video. Um, the stabbing video, yeah, let's go with that one. Like that kind of bystander, like, uh, like amateur shot with a, with a smartphone, that's the kind of video that we're seeing more and more um, substantiating these stories that we hear about. This is kind of the <coughs> knock on China too, right? That, uh, that the internet is controlled, that information is controlled. But what we're seeing now is this massive dissemination of a kind of person-to-person -person information exchange. Right. So some of that is unique low. Some of it's just a sex tape. But I, I, was up in, um, I was up on the Tibetan plateau this morning. I was there for an event. And I was sitting next to a 65-year-old scholar woman. She was there... And she was watching the Uniqlo video, which was really weird. <laughs> she wasn't. She might have, uh, you know, a month ago. She was, she, we were looking at different articles, and going, but going through different videos based on our WeChat feed. So she's a 65-year-old woman using WeChat, looking at the same or different permutations of, this, of the same information that I was getting on mine, um, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Yeah, I feel like there's no one of any socioeconomic class in China who didn't see maybe that, that Uniqlo video, or, or certainly the Tianjin videos today. It's not like a news event happens in the States and you read CNN, you know, breaking news or a headline story. It's like, uh, you know, a, a passenger in a car or a pedestrian on the street. It's very almost like peer-to-peer -peer citizen kind of journalism. Yeah, I mean, I think peer-to-peer -peer is a good way to analogize. It's sort of like torrents passing around because it's something that's not going through a centralized platform, and that maybe is a sort of structural uh, difference that we can point out about the social media platforms that are in vogue right now, like WeChat, versus the, the last generation, like Weibo, where it's going from a centralized platform and it's being broadcast publicly to anybody who, who wants to view it on the Internet. Um, WeChat is something where people are sharing videos from one person to another person, or they're sharing it within small circles, little WeChat groups uh, where content can be passed around. And I think that uh, structural arrangement is one of the reasons why this kind of transmission of video is so difficult for censors to prevent and to intercede upon because as soon as it starts moving around, it's saved on the devices of millions of people who are scattered around the nation. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating how this architecture, which was created by China for China, is so antagonistic to all the traditional platforms for news distribution. So Facebook is blocked here, YouTube is blocked here, WeChat was created specifically for China to have the kind of controls that China requires, and yet it's been utilized so notably recently um, to go against you know, what the central government wants. And the Uniqlo video was a perfect example of that. The Uniqlo video was a was a very fun example of that. Right. So maybe we should uh, give a little bit of background information to maybe people who are uninitiated on this particular news story. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> who would like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, who, who would like to give us a, a graphic description? No, uh, we're lucky to have in our midst um, Zach Dykwald, who uh, recently wrote a piece about that uh, viral video phenomena um, for Vice Magazine, and, and maybe you can give us a break uh, breakdown about about that video and and sort of its impact. Sure. So I I wrote an article, not so much about the video itself, though that was int I mean, that, though that was interesting. Um, but about the social media reaction, because that was, uh, I mean, that, it, was, it was the most fun I've ever seen the Chinese internet have. So what happened was a couple uh, in Uniqlo, allegedly they had just met in the store, but, you know, that, that has yet to turned be uh, Turned out later verified. not to be true. Okay, so it turned out later not to be true. 
Um, they got Uniqlo being a fast fashion uh, apparel retailer similar to Zara or H and M. Right, massive. A, a Japanese one as well, which I, I think maybe adds another dimension to the story. <laughs> so what happened was a, a couple has sex in a changing room, and um, the girl is quite pretty. So uh, you know, it's a it's a major departure from other sex scandals in China, as well as it's not government-related. It, it, it increases the appeal from a, a <laughs> personal standpoint. So, and it's also kind of like, it's, it's very soft core in that there is no, um, there's no actual genitals. Uh, there's no clear... It could go on HBO, I think is what I'm trying to say. No, it's, no, no, it, you're saying it, it could go on Cinemax. Or Showtime. You, you, I, 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 trust, HBO, I trust you, HBO gets away these with our time. These two that. consenting adults participate in a sex act in a changing room at a large retailer in the center of Beijing. The man films it on his smartphone, and that footage gets leaked. Can, can, Get, can we record that again with you not sounding like you're explaining it to a five-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> but so what was... part? There, there were a couple parts that were interesting. So it, it got picked up by the internet and went crazy. Um, some parts that were interesting was that you know, a couple having sex on camera is nothing special, but in China, porn is illegal. So about midway through the video, not only do you hear the guy speaking to the girl and he's speaking in Chinese, um, but you hear the loudspeaker in Uniqlo saying, this is the Uniqlo uh, in Beijing. You know, if, if there are all the changing rooms, right, there are no changing rooms. All the changing rooms are full. Please go to the second or third floor. And then you see these guys getting down to the changing room. It's the flagship Uniqlo store in China, and mm. it's in a, the most famous location in Beijing. So it became, after that... It's the most talked about district of the city. I mean, it's in the center of the Chaoyang district. It's the biggest shopping center. The internet picked it up, made a gazillion memes about it. It became like this, this 24-hour, very healthy, but massive sex joke. Yeah, it was, like, it was like a collective sexual sigh of relief in a, in a country where porn is illegalized. Totally. Um, but, but also, I mean, I was just, I was really surprised by, like, I, no, nobody I saw who shared it was sharing it, like, sheepishly or anything. It was, it was like a very... Enthusiastic a, a open converse, act, yeah. a, Enthusiast open conversation about this this video, which is technically, like, illegal for the eyes of the regular Chinese citizen. Although, I mean, that isn't to say that, like, Chinese people have never seen porn before. Right. I, I think it's, we need to give it's them like a little bit more credit. It's like uh, teenagers whose parents are gone and they're having a party on WeChat. It, it felt very summer camp. You know, it felt like a bunch of people in, like, a cabin in summer camp being like, have you guys heard about this? But then it, it was, there was a much more common... There was a very, very concrete common thread to it's it all. a bigger bunk of kids talking about it. <laughs> I, you know, I would say that, that that video is an interesting phenomena because it actually is two phenomenas uh, together in one. It, it's both a viral video and it's also a meme at the same time. So here I would like to introduce the distinction, um, in my mind at least, which is that uh, a viral video or a piece of viral content is where the one specific piece of media is being circulated all the time. So when that video gets handed from person to person, that video itself is going viral. But then the, um, the sort of... Uh, uh, ancillary subsidiary phenomena that emerges where people are talking about it in different ways and recontextualizing it and offering different uh, PG permutations of that story that's where the meme comes into play so I, I would say with that particular event the meme is when um, H&M starts to put something out on their Weibo and their uh, uh, WeChat account that says hey we have even larger changing rooms come visit H&M were those real though because there were a lot of fake 
WeChat screenshots around that time. They were said to be fabricated, but it's it's impossible to authenticate one way or another. Well, yeah. I mean, if they were real, they would be sent from the official H&M well, channel. Well, it says, it's, it says the official H&M. They could have deleted it immediately I think, after I think it's My guess I think that's besides fate. the point. I think the point is that the changing room, the... The, the changing the, room the, as the, an the idea. Yeah, the phrase, the changing right. room. Right. You see that everywhere. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's true. Jokes. Whether yeah. it was from the official channel or from people mm-hmm. who acknowledge... The, the meme. Yeah, so I started. I, people were putting their own twist on it right. in, in all kinds of ways that were not necessarily explicitly. I, my favorite way was the tattoo. There was, was the tattoo, tattoo portrait image, of the two like of, the of the two people. Of yeah, exactly. With the guy holding up the phone in the mirror. I like yeah. the shirts. So this isn't. I mean, this is like living meme now. But within about like eight hours of this happening, this thing came out in a Guangdong of these guys. Uh, just in a car with these black shirts, and then on the front you see it's the it's like a blurred out version, but you can totally see it's this girl with the Uniqlo symbol over her most prized possessions within eight hours. Like that is a, yeah, the, the meme machine like churns them out really quickly. It's, it's insane. Um, and this happens everywhere. Uh, this happens in China. This, we see this happening with like memes, like, like during the Olympics or like during the presidential debates. Yeah, uh, they, I mean, I, I think that one of the ways that you can measure uh, the extent of a meme is how quickly it takes traction in the market because the market sort of responds to fluctuations in, in public awareness. So if something becomes big enough in, in people's minds, the market will find some way to monetize that attention that people are paying to it. Yeah, and just the, <laughs> just the fact that viral videos, so many people are paying attention to them. There are so many potential people to create new content to fit into this meme and to help it evolve into whatever its next form Speaking of Speaking of monetizing, on Taobao, for instance, just an example of how this got legs and ran in so many different directions, they were selling the clothing that was seen for like a second on a heap in the corner of the room, you know, her scarf for like a thousand choir or something. That, that just sounds like pure opportunism. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but but it is insane. Like what? What? It was these jokes. Kinds... I mean, they don't think anyone was going to spend a thousand dollar or a thousand quai for this. It was at uh... the same time. I bet somebody. somebody I, I think they will also. And, and yeah, I think it was big enough to yeah. to warrant some some ridiculous purchases. Yeah. Okay. So, but so so let, let's let's talk now. Like, why why is that significant? Why is this kind of video or this kind of maybe why is the virality in China? Why is it important? Um, or, so, right, yeah, I think this Uniqlo video in particular has a very kind of political dimension to it, I think, because a video like this would not go viral somewhere like the United States because everybody has sex and everybody has a smartphone, and this video is kind of only remarkable because it went viral in a country where this is not legal. And the people who filmed the video have been apprehended, by the way, right? What, what was the fate that they I think five, five people were on? arrested. Five people were That's arrested. And no one really knows what, I mean, is there any information on what happened? I, I haven't, I don't know the exact follow-up. I've heard they've been apprehended. I have not seen a lot of news after that, which is sort of, unfortunately, the, uh, the signature touch is you, uh, you take them and then you make them disappear. I, I can't imagine, I'm not going to make any legal, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to make any legal conjecture here. I mean, so, if it was America, there's no question they would be getting a reality TV show. But I, I have a feeling that they're not in a, <laughs> should a be the beginning of a bright right career. Yeah. yeah, not so much in China. But this is kind of the latest in, you know, kind of a long string of controversial sex videos which have gone viral in China. And some of the more well-known ones have involved politicians in the past. And those have had played a major role in informing people into, you know, 
political corruption in China. And the most notable one is probably the Hainan video. Do you guys remember that? How long ago was that? A couple years ago? I don't even think. I think it was like a year and a bit ago. I don't was think there was a video for that? Uh, there may have only been photos of that. I remember that there was the frog-looking guy. <laughs> so my memory, the last, the last sex scandal I remember is, I, I might have been the Hainan one, but it was basically, the picture I have in my mind is government, gov- clearly government guys with prostitutes that aren't, that are like, you know, that have, have been in the game for a while. And they're taking prom-like looking pictures, very posed, sitting in a room, taking pictures of themselves yeah, without, without any uh, distinct reasoning behind it. Like, you don't know why they're doing it, but these pictures leak of them just standing there like, doesn't N- sound now so, we will commemorate this moment. Doesn't sound so much like a sex scandal. The one that I remember was actually a some um, government politician who had sex with a prostitute, and the prostitute filmed it with her phone. Oh. I think without his knowledge, and that was the video which went viral. And it was it was about. really disgusting. It was like really, really different so than talk, the unique one. We're talking about distinct, gross government sex scandals. Yeah, that Absolutely. one that one did not reach my corner of the internet. Okay, so so the the civilian nature of this sex scandal is notable, but why? Um I think you're right. This one is different because the civilian This one is also, you know, a lighthearted one, I think. These are two people who are consenting adults just having fun. There's no prostitutes involved. I think that presumably. sets it apart from a lot of viral videos that <laughs> Yeah, that come you're, out right, in you're right. You're right. A that, lot that, of the that, videos it, it elicits smiles, not like like screams of shock and and awe and um like like the explosion or the stabbing. It's a little like lighthearted. Yeah, sure. Um but but uh so, it's not. I mean, it's not revealing any kind of corruption or, or you know, fabulous. Let's make our viral videos more like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it may be um, straining the conservative uh, sexual mores of the country, but yeah, it's it's not revealing any uh, direct corruption. Um, but probably the um, uh, the 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 forbidden um, nature of it uh, increased its appeal a little bit as well. Yeah, I mean, anything about sex has a better shot. I also think that in China, you know, the, I, I wrote this in the article, but the, the image of two, an, an Asian couple having sex on screen is not novel in China. The amount of Japanese porn that comes into China, um, people have made an argument for that being like a major soft power uh, element from, from, or hard power, depending on how you look at it, from Japan to, uh, to China. And um, I think that being able to identify with the person on the screen, as lame as it sounds, I think it, I think it's a, it played a major role. I think that they were speaking Chinese. I think that it was in a place that everyone could identify. I think that it was um, harmless in its own way. I think there was a combination of factors. You know, for something to really go viral, there kind of has to be a perfect storm. And to have the uh, Uniqlo loudspeaker in the background sort of (laughs) pinpointing their location, I think, was was really the icing on the cake. But but maybe we're getting beside the point um, of the, the larger... Uh, impact of, of uh, viral videos and, and social media on this public discourse. Um, you know, I'm sure that we could talk for quite a long time about uh, explicit <laughs> videos, but um, you know, maybe we should talk about some of the other videos that have been circulating around and the way that those sort of uh, paint the picture of the, the broader impact that these kinds of videos are having. If I could, if I could make one final point before we move away from talking about, I, I just want to keep talking about sex. Sure, is it? A, yeah. Uh, Talking about mediums, and we're going to talk more about WeChat as we go on, but uh, I think it was like 2004, 2005, the whole Muzume thing. So there was this blogger down in, um, I think it was Guangzhou, and her name was Muzume, and she, or that was her, um, that was her 
blog, her blogger name. And she had, um, she released a blog. She had had sex with like 100 people. She was very explicit about that at the time. Um, and what made her famous was she had sex with this one rocker. I'm blanking on his name at the moment, but a pretty famous rock icon. And um, she was censored explicitly. And then, um, you know, she's released books and she's, she's had her moments. Um, but she was, she was directly in opposition to the government. And because the only platform that existed um, was so much more public, she, it became uh, her versus the government. What but platform did you say that was? I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Weibo at the time. Um, although I could totally be ruining that. And um, if so, that was, I apologize. That was the social network du jour three years ago, three plus years ago. Right, but so. this, this was 10 plus years ago. So Jeremy Goldcorn, uh, a great a great blogger in his own right, uh, had, uh, had a great video with her that you can catch on Yoku. We can put that up. Um, I, w- I don't think Weibo existed 10 years ago. Yeah, I don't think so either. So I'm trying to, to think. Specify, I'm, when, when you're talking mainly about sex videos, you're going to have to specify what kind of video Jeremy Goldcorn has with her. It's like an interview, right? It's an interview. Uh, there's no sex. The point is that there's, um, it, became, it became a her versus the government. And now with, um, with WeChat, it, there doesn't have to be that direct opposition. Everything goes down. Instead of it being one to from a single platform disseminating out from there, it is a hundred or a thousand different nodes of people passing around videos and content. Um, so it's not one to a gazillion, it is a thousand to a hundred thousand or a thousand right, to ten thousand. This goes to what I was saying about censors having to play a catch-up game. Exactly. Not, not really knowing how to stem it because there's Absolutely. so many different nodes. It's like very much a cat and mouse game. A lot of these videos that go viral on WeChat are deleted very quickly and then re-uploaded and then deleted again and, and so on. A lot of the videos I noticed of the Tianjin explosion last night were this case. I figured that these videos have, have transcended just WeChat viral videos and they've become news now and now mainstream media is using them to tell the story about what happened. Mm-hmm. But I also noticed that today a lot of those videos were, were deleted, were taken offline. I think, yeah, I think it's really notable to uh, talking about the way videos spread on WeChat is that now they have a greater chance of reaching outside of the Chinese internet um, because they're, they're reaching individuals, and especially mobile, where people like, are looking at their content immediately very often when, it, when it's sent to them. Um, if it gets into the hands of one of the many growing foreigners uh, who has the idea to send it to a global outlet or a Chinese uh, citizen who thinks that, oh, this is newsworthy, this is something, uh, n- not if it's like a sex video or something like that, but if it's like a more n- newsworthy item, they decide... Yeah, uh, they want to send it abroad to to a global news outlet. That's more of a possibility now that WeChat makes it more difficult for censors to clamp down immediately. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, I think that the Western media is looking more closely at the Chinese internet and these social media platforms now uh, than ever um, because it's sometimes difficult to get uh, firsthand reports and to get um, quick reports about breaking news stories from the traditional media outlets um, and. Uh, I think WeChat also makes it a lot easier. I think there's also a technical component to this because prior to WeChat, you would film a video with something, you would upload it to Yoku, you would post the link to the Yoku video on Weibo, and it was just a much more um, laborious process than it is now with WeChat, especially with sites, which is basically... 
Um, you know, if I could make maybe videos. like a, an, an electrical engineering analogy, it's sort of like a parallel circuit versus a series circuit. So with a series circuit, you can just cut off one particular uh, line in the wire, and then all of the subsequent uh, uh, connections are going to be are going to be uh, 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 broken. But with a with a parallel circuit, in this case, it's essentially millions and millions of parallel circuits. You have to cut one by one in order to uh, to dim the light bulb. Oh, to change the analogy, it's kind of like uh, shitty Christmas lights versus like better <laughs> better Christmas. Lights. Yeah, that's that's great. Like that's you great. unscrew one of the Christmas lights, and they all yeah. Right, and that actually is is an, is an example of that kind of circuitry. Yeah, but it's not an electrical engineering <laughs> analogy, which makes it better. It's a Christmas analogy. <laughs> Aside from sex videos, what are some of the other recent videos which we talked about? Some of these have kind of maybe not a lot of appeal or really any appeal outside China. One of these which we talked about was the Duang phenomenon with Jackie Chan. I'm trying to think how we can turn that into a portmanteau, like a Fadwang phenomenon. Fadwang phenomenon. <laughs> that was pretty close. Yeah. Duang phenomenon. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, yeah, so Duang was. Uh, so uh, Duang turned into a meme. Like Eli was uh, differentiating before, it 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 spawned from this video, which didn't quite go viral. Although that's uh, true, Duong I, did. I think that's a good yeah. a good so point. Really so good the video season. did not really go viral. So, so the video, I've never seen the video, so, but I no, know about Duang. So yeah. Duang Duang is like uh, an onomatopoeia almost. I mean, it's hard. It's it's like onomatopoeia yeah. for Jackie Chan's oh, hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, exactly the, the the sound that it makes when he wiggles it back and forth. So Duang is this uh, onomatopoetic uh, word for the jiggling of his hair in this video. And uh, I don't know why, but it caught on and people started... Produced infinite it, variations yeah. of it and, and came up with their own definitions. And right. Uh, and there was even a... a, a character fabricated for the noise it put uh, jackie's like chinese name chung long it put the chung on top of the long and they created a new character that actually represented duang and so people were sharing this new character that's not actually in the chinese uh it was uh, like it was like an enormous inside joke that everybody on the chinese social media was having with each other and it just went on and on and duang and duang and <laughs> <laughs> So I never saw it, but I would see, um, I never saw the actual video. It's exactly what we were talking about. But I would like, someone would be like, I just had a great hot pot, dong. And then I was just expected to understand what she was implying with that. Yeah, you yeah. probably just saw the WeChat sticker. Seriously, yeah. So, I, I, so it also spawned like a GIF where Jackie's like shaking his hair, and you see Duang like popping up the text the sticker, for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, Duang is one of these weird viral uh, memes where. Uh, it's, it's I don't know. It, the, it's almost the opposite of the Tianjin video footage because it's it's so restricted to China. Whereas the Tianjin footage was just everywhere I looked today. BBC, CNN, every single international news media outlet. I read it. It was the top voted thing. I think to be fair, that reflects its value as news versus a you know a shampoo commercial versus a uh, a, a pretty horrific structural failure that turns into like a bond you know it was it was a horrifying i mean video. yeah i mean pretty horrific i don't think you need the modifier like that that's right. full out horrific mm-hmm. i thought it looked like um just like skynet it looked like uh terminator like future apocalypse terminator have you guys seen the drone footage 
You mean no, the, I heard the... about it. So there's drone footage that went up on uh, the Nanfang, I think, and it's um, it was originally from a CCTV. So this is an interesting part. Is like this stuff gets internalized in the Chinese newscast as well. So it's not like this is getting censored. It's getting internalized. A lot of the the phone videos were uh, put together and put on TV. So it's not like it's not like this stuff is all getting nixed. Um, so this drone footage went up of uh, the scene today in the afternoon, and it really does. It looks like a. It, it does look. My roommate described it as Gotham City. He doesn't speak English. He said it looks like Gotham City. He said the, those words in English. It's a. Um, it's a horrifying scene. You know, it was a really, really awful, horrifying accident. Well, I think, uh, Charlie, you said you were talking about how this isn't like. Uh confined to the Chinese internet and that has it differentiates itself from the Duong video it's not an inside Chinese joke that only Chinese people will get and that's why it stays on the mainland but it's this kind of video um, that uh, gets often does get picked up by international media it's these really sensational videos that are either violent uh, or sexual or just like really shocking like if you go on Shanghai is that like any any month throughout the year, you're probably going to see one video of a giant explosion, one video of like a uh, something terrible happening to a baby, another video of like an old garbage yeah. man who the, builds I mean, transformers the on his farm. Shanghai is on a relentless content treadmill. I'm not right. talking I just about think that. This is this is the kind of viral thing okay. that that it's it's one of those viral things in America about China, and it's always the most like horrific things that end up getting filed into that category. So I'm not uh, very surprised by the Tianjin I, I I disagree with you because I routinely see horrific viral videos on WeChat of things like people committing suicide, right, people getting beheaded in I'm Syria. In the American media, like China Smack and Shanghai, it's like the, the things that you see about China are of this nature in American media. Um, I, I would consider those to be Chinese media. Shanghaiist and, and China Smack are that, for a that, Chinese that, expat audience, I feel like, mostly. American media I would this, consider to be... Let's talk about the specifics. Okay, well, look, I, I would just like to sort of maybe get at the, the, the distinction that you guys are hitting at, which is what is the difference between uh, graphic videos that go, that go viral and get a lot of attention either in China and around the world and super graphic videos that don't? Because obviously there's, you know, very, very direct first-hand videos of horrible things that are taken all of the time, and uh, many of them never end up circulating around the internet and they never get covered in the international press and I would offer that the difference has to do about whether or not they're actually making uh, an impact or they're, they're conveying some relevant information about an important national issue. Um, I so think this, the Tianjin explosion video is exceptionally I mean it's, it's tremendously exceptional. Yes. I think, I think before we go on let's say what happened in the video for those who haven't seen it. Um, so right. I'm, I'm going to summarize it really quickly. So last night um, the 12th I believe at uh, 1120 there this company I think it was the uh, Rei, Gang Rei Hai. Rei Hai. yeah the Rei Hai. um the Reihai company they uh <laughs> they have they were started in 2011 I believe in 2014 they were actually um they were checked by the government and then last night they had a massive massive explosion of flammables before they were saying it was like a, sp a specific type of aluminum now the Chinese government is saying or like the the official media line, it was, it was just flammables. The first explosion uh, was the equivalent of three tons of TNT. The second explosion 
was the equivalent of 21 tons of TNT. Right, and, and maybe that sequence is why there's so much video footage of it because there was a lot of people who clearly already had their cameras out exactly. and were filming the fire exactly. at the time that the second explosion hit. And the blast radius that you can see from these videos is really remarkable because in a lot of the video footage that you see, the fire that's raging is quite far in the distance. And when the second explosion hits, it lights up the entire sky. There's a monstrous mushroom cloud that rises up and there's like a like a sonic boom that hits the yep. people who Afterwards. are recording uh, several seconds after you see the flash of light and it knocks people across the room and knocks the cameras out of their hands and and that's what makes it so so scary and impactful and i'm not saying that this isn't horrific and this isn't like a tremendous and amazingly like well documented explosion like there are, uh, we'll put a, vi a video in the description there's one that like uh gathered every angle and synced them up into one youtube video and it's actually it's it's pretty incredible to watch the whole the whole sequence um and i'm not saying that this isn't any of those those things but it's just uh it's it's not remarkable to me that this has been picked up by international media or that it's at the top of reddit i agree and, and maybe this video is not the best case to illustrate the distinction that i was trying to make because this is a video that is both um spectacular and unique in the degree of uh, of graphicness and, and the footage itself is unique and it's also something that has a certain kind of political valence to it right. I, I would say maybe another example that that would be better to to show the distinction that i'm trying to make would be something like the elevator video that also went viral recently escalator, right? uh, escalator video excuse escalator me video, yeah. where, where a woman who uh was riding on an escalator fell into a faulty panel on the escalator floor at the top and was killed by the escalator now this this is something that, um, you know, would maybe not have gone viral if it had just been the video of somebody dying because there's lots of videos all the time, uh, graphic videos of people dying that don't go viral and make the same kind of impact in the public consciousness. But because that video had some sort of political valence, at least in the sense that it was maybe exposing these flaws in the Chinese industrial infrastructure and, and reawakening people's fears about product safety, that it suddenly captivated the imagination of the public. It was, right. a, ma it was a made in China knock. Yeah, exactly. It's really about the regulatory process or, or lack of in China. So right. the difference within, between the Tianjin video, Eli, if I'm getting this right, is that would be news no matter what. Not only does it reflect a lack of vigilance from the government, but it is also a, of a scale that, that needs to be on international. I news. think there's basically two variables that, that contribute to the sort of trajectory of the viral or to, to the sort of viral um, quality of a particular video. One of them is that, that sort of the, the, the political component and one of it is the, the, the footage itself. And, and something like this is really the perfect storm of both. So, my, I mean, my question about the uh, escalator video, um, and I imagine some of the listeners probably have the same question, was that something that censors tried to keep from getting out there? Do you guys have any idea about that? I think that censors want to keep, they want to keep anything that can create a sense of public panic out of people's hands and minds. Mm -hmm. And I think that that escalator video falls within that category, certainly. So they've, I mean, they've got to be changing their playbook right now, right? Because, I mean, what they're doing isn't working. We're seeing all these videos. We're right. We're, so we're actually, a major um, step in trying to control this, which has happened very recently, is the central authorities have put essentially security officers from the central government into these technology companies which manage these platforms, like Tencent, which owns and manages 
WeChat, and presumably like uh, Yoku and, and Tudo and, and all these companies, media companies, which control the distribution of these kind of videos on the internet. And there's a lot of conjecture about you know, what this will mean and how these people will actually work inside these organizations because it's essentially like a localized police station inside these tech companies. Yeah. And those people obviously uh, are, take orders from the and, central and, government. And I mean, we should say, you know, Charlie, you work for a tech company and you're actually an agent of the Chinese government. Am I, am I correct that's on that? That's correct, yes. I'm a foreign agent and that's why no one sees me coming. <laughs> Full disclosure. So, I mean, I think it really makes a lot of these people feel like, I mean, Tencent, for example, was... Um, I'm not sure if they were penalized. I mean, I think they were penalized after this Uniqlo sex video went viral on WeChat. And so they're expected they were to be vigilant on their own. They're, they were they're they're publicly reprimanded, you know, put it that way. So part of the penalty of that, I think, is, is these security officers which are going inside these tech companies. And it'll it'd be interesting to see if this actually has any kind of effect that anyone can notice. But I'm sure it certainly makes people working inside these organizations feel like the authorities are right next to them because they are. I, I see it having that effect. But, I mean, they're, it, beyond that effect, they're still always going to be playing, playing catch-up. Because the, the reason the Great Firewall worked be, before the age of social media is because they could uh, anticipate what domains people were trying to access and, and what, what portals people were trying to get through. Right. Here, it's, it's the, the individual pieces of information that are flying around that they need to catch. And, uh, and, the, and they need to categorize that information. They need to see the viral video coming before it's viral. And that's just... That's I mean, a good point. It's, and it's, nobody, nobody can really do that. So, so I mean, the power has sort of flipped into the hands of the the massive amount of people who are, what is it, 550 million users per month, right? I think it's really yeah, unclear about what Tencent could, could possibly have done to prevent the spread of that video other than just be faster and employ more people to, to take these things down. Right, and this isn't the beginning of the social media era either. This is just the WeChat era. So it's not like, you know, you're not getting this from your massive bloggers anymore. I, I received the video... I was on five different group chats and they just kept coming from different people. And it's all walks of life. You know, one was like a backpacking group. One was a couple of rich kids I met in Beijing. And it's that sort of diversity. Um, and I think this actually might be a unique moment because WeChat is set up so that everyone can have, um, so that this information can be disseminated quickly. You know, after 24 hours, this stuff dies down once people stop sending it around to people and it becomes government news. It becomes the major media agencies are responsible for disseminating it. But at the beginning, it can go wherever it wants. I don't, I don't, at the moment, there is no way to control it. And we're seeing this explosion of people sharing information. Uh, that's really unique to write. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm just making this up in my head, but it feels very unique to this moment. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, we, we should make note of the fact that in a lot of cases, the, this footage that goes viral does eventually make it onto the conventional um, media platforms like CCTV, and they cover the, the Escalator incident in depth and, and the Tianjin as well. Um, but I think part of, part of what they want to do is to slow the spread of the raw information so that they can um, control the narrative a little bit. Exactly. And they can do that by, by tamping down public discourse. I, I would also caution against the sentiment that the internet is always going to triumph over attempts to politically censor it, because that's something that people have declared a lot. And it does seem like at this particular moment, with this particular platform, there is a kind of free flow of information that the government hasn't figured out a way to staunch yet. But that doesn't mean that they're not going, they're not working very hard at it. And there's not a lot of 
really smart people who are working on that project. And, you know, if we say it's a cat and mouse game, sometimes the cat gets the mouse. And, you know, with these things, part of what makes it special and democratizing is the ability for the people to determine the story and to have a public discourse surrounding this content. And even if they're constantly running around putting out fires, one of the, the consequences of the efforts of the censors is that they actually can silence that public discourse a little bit so that maybe the, the, the narratives and the sort of meta-analysis that would take place around this media is being is evaporating before it gets to people's hearts and minds. And they, they sure you can't un unscrub the raw footage, but you know the the salient political points and, and discourse that might be rising around those things doesn't get heard. And then eventually, you know, it reverts back to the popular narrative. One yeah. of the one of the tools that is also used to convince people not to create this kind of content is that it can come with a criminal charge. Mm -hmm. Creating right, just any five hundred replies or reposts. Yeah, and the law is intentionally, my understanding is that the law is intentionally vague in that if you create a piece of content which causes public panic or a sense of insecurity and it's shared 500 times, I guess, or viewed 500 times or whatever it is, then you could be guilty of committing a crime. Right, right. They don't, they don't show you where the line is and say, don't cross it. They don't show you where the line is. And then after you cross it, then they tell you well, they don't you've really crossed know where the it. line is. You know? yeah. Well, that's true. And I think well, they're, the they're, idea they're is for you to be paranoid and not take right. action. Um, and uh, I think we should also check ourselves and, uh, and, and recognize that not everybody who is reposting the video of the woman getting eating by, eaten by the escalator is a political activist and trying to improve the infrastructure of the country. There's some people who are reposting it and being like, oh my fucking God, I'm never going to go on an escalator again. There are the jokesters, there are the people who try to, there are the opportunists. I mean, there are all sorts of people who see this content and want to do something with it. And not everybody is like, I'm going to subvert the government with I, my I posting feel like of this video. The typical reaction which I saw among my friends uh, regarding that video, the escalator video, was, oh, China like really lacks some really important things and it results in us not having a feeling like we have public safety and this wouldn't happen in other countries mm -hmm. and this kind of like China versus the outside comparison. Right, right. And, and yeah, those, those sort of national comparisons happen, um, but... Uh, let's let's not mistake it is a, it is every repost. Well. Let's not re mistake every repost of that video as like a point for freedom. Yeah, that's justice. right. I, I think we, we should not necessarily equate virality with the good intentions of the masses. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I actually, my feeling is that the 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 rules that govern viral videos in China, I don't feel like they're political. I, I get that some of it is the the churin DNT, the um, the elevator eating thing. Um, that, Pe the, people the, eating the elevator. Death escalator. Right. Yeah, the death escalator. Thank you. That was a very graphic. It wasn't. You know, you didn't see like blood splurt out, but you saw someone getting sucked into the the workings, gears. the gears of. You, you could imagine it very clearly what happened to that woman. And I see videos like that all the time. The ones that get passed around to me through these group, you know, through these groups. Um, I'm a part of for whatever reason. <laughs> do, do, do your snuff film. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I'm in a lot of I'm in a lot of WeChat too many WeChat groups probably, but some of these are, are you know have a lot of videos shared which I do not want to see totally. at all. And today actually, so I was in one of the groups I was in was uh, a girl who was lamenting the fact that she's kind of confronted with these videos which she doesn't want to see. And this is just kind of a fundamental aspect of WeChat, I you feel know, like. I think that's one of the burdens of living in the information age, is, is having to sort of... Um, sort through the, the 
noise signals. Sort through the suicide and shotgun videos. And uh, like that, that's not, I don't think that's being a, pulled out of trash yeah, cans. Yeah, that's, that's not an oh. internet age thing. I mean, this is like totally a WeChat thing, I find. I mean, because you can have the discussion has nothing to do with violence or shocking material or anything like well, this. It's not and just, and way. you know, That's suddenly a video of someone jumping off a building comes up and you know, I mean, me I and other people I, I know are I, like, I know. I why would someone share you're, this? You're but acting a little bit passive about it as though the internet foist you up, that upon you and not like that's a result of a bunch of specific choices that you make that put you into those situations. I don't get those videos and, and uh, you know, that, that just doesn't enter my radar because we're, Orienting ourselves in different directions within, you know, <laughs> I'll the, give you the an example. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is, I don't think that it's something that's unique to WeChat. I think it's something that's unique to our ability to share videos and media really freely. And I think that there was people ten years ago who were on the internet seeing things that they wanted to unsee. And uh, <laughs> I, in, in outside of the Chinese internet, I have never like accidentally come upon a, a violent and grotesque video. So, uh, uh, Reddit, and it happens on Reddit a regular to, basis. Reddit used to make one of the China. default subreddits, WTF. And I remember when I first signed up for Reddit, I was like, it was one of those situations where I was seeing a stream of information, mainly of what I wanted to see. And then all of a sudden there's somebody chopping their fucking dick off or something. And, and like I did have to, I had to opt out. We'll, we'll have links to all the stuff discussed today in the show notes. Right, right, right. Important details. Um. So I'll give you one example. Okay, so I'm in a group of uh, started by a couple of friends of mine who have a series of parties in Chengdu called Chengdu Loco. There's almost 200 people in this WeChat group, and it's predominantly expats. There are some Chinese people in there as well. Uh, a few really, really messed up videos have been shared in this group exclusively by Chinese people. And when they're group, when the, these are uh, shared in the group, everyone reviles them. There is a very clear reaction which is negative to these videos. A lot of people say, what is wrong with you? Why are you sharing this? We don't want to see this. And there's this chorus of dissent against these Followed videos. Followed by winky faces by the people <laughs> who originally posted the video. No, well, I think in, every, the in every case, these, the, the Chinese people always say, like, oh, what's the problem? Is there a problem here? Like, you don't want to see someone, like, so blowing their brains you're out? You're saying the Chinese people who hang out with foreigners are all perverts. Is that what you're getting at, Charlie? No, I think it's just I think the, the feature of the Chinese group internet. Is stupid. <laughs> I think I think you got to get out of the Chengdu Loco group. This um, is just one example. Kind of, you got to... It's, I think I think it, I I've mean, been in other groups which have had the exact same thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely side with you and say it's all your fault, but you do need to like decide which groups, like what things you don't want to expose yourself to. And I, I know I misrepresented Eli's we'll point. Well, whatever. No, no, but I mean I, I think look we're we're anyway. We're if you're if you're on WeChat, prepare yourself. I, yeah, I think because we'll, you're gonna come upon a messed up video. Because because yeah, WeChat does have the risk riskiest content uh, of. Any, it's like 4chan that before. I use. It's unfiltered. It's, it's uh, whatever it's people want to pass around. Yeah. You know, I, I think what we're getting at, you know, with our very emotional reactions is the point that this free flowing of information does not always serve the purpose of informing the populace and democratizing our access to important information. Don't say we're pro-censor now. No, but I think we're no, just we're pointing out that it's that it's a double-edged sword whenever things are flowing around at the whim of people, and and sometimes that that does cause public harm, and we can kind of identify with the intent of some of probably the the good-hearted people who work in the Chinese government who are thinking about trying to prevent 
you know, bad content from spreading around there, or at least recognizing that there is a public ill that's created by certain types of content flowing around freely. Um, my my feeling is that despite the, sophistica the sophistication of the censorship infrastructure in China, among the Chinese youth, there is not so much a feeling that sharing a really violent video is a social misstep. So what I think is interesting is, is similar to what Charlie is saying is we're seeing, I'm seeing, consistent with Charlie, more graphic videos than I see passed around in the States. Um, stuff that would get taken off of video hosting sites back in the States. And I think that is a unique part of WeChat is it is more, I, it is less filtered. No question. That, that, and I think we, we hit upon that point early on, which is that the architecture, the decentralized architecture of it allows for that, that, uh, that decentralized transmission of media. And, and it, it's not just an architectural feature. It's also a social feature where people say, I'm going to share this video with other friends because, hey, check this out. This is really cool. Yeah, see, I, I, don't, I don't get on board with the social critique that this is about the degraded morals of the Chinese population, that they're just insensitive to graphic videos. And that I, I think if you put that tool in the hands of any I think populace... De degraded morals, gonna... I think, puts a very a ju you know, judgment onto it. And so you know, every society has its own social values. But I think that China, as a generalization, especially youth Chinese culture, is a lot less sensitive to videos which we would find... Um, uncouth to share. See, I disagree. I think, oh, yeah, Amer I think, I think the American youth is just as insensitive. You put this kind of tool in their hands, and there's going to be lots of graphic content flying around just as easily. Totally. If there's, if there is, if you could put whatever you want onto, if you could share whatever information you want, any videos you want back in the states. I mean, we have video games there too. You know, if there, if there was the ability to share, we are so desensitized, desensitized to things now that there's always going to be one person. I'm in a chat where it's 95 people from Beijing, the Beijing one I was talking about, and there are two people who consistently share those videos. And it's those two people who are perpetuating that nasty stuff that you're referring to. I think, um, I mean, w one thing that we can sort of use as a corollary is uh, the ISIS decapitation that, yep. was, that was played on, it was played on major news outlets, right? I mean, this is, this is something that's, that is part of the public conversation in America. It's, it's like... Uh, like what do we show on the news and like this is something and like what, what, what do we expose our public to like there I mean it used to be much much more puritanical than it is now I mean South Park pushed the boundaries in terms of what what kind of language could be used um, uh, and 24-hour news outlets very much pushed the envelope of what what could be showed on live television but, but um, we're still talking about controlled media outlets here versus I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's on one on one on one hand, you have this kind of harmonious, highly censored media infrastructure in China, and then on the other hand, you have WeChat, which can very often be like uh, a stark slum of the internet. <laughs> well, it's not, I, I, it's I not think always <laughs> just that. It's obviously not, I mean, but it's, it includes it's, it's that. A, it's a tool. It's a really useful tool, but because it incorporates so many functions, it can be used for a lot of different purposes. I, I would just like to maybe shift our attention for one second to the sort of uh, the CNN video uh, incident today, because I, I think that actually uh, brings into focus a lot of the things that we were recently discussing. It, it, namely, so that's the third video that went viral in the last 24 hours. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because that shows both um, how – 
the, the, the free flowing of information can potentially be useful and help increase this political discourse, but also how the public can potentially get it wrong and maybe uh, why in some cases uh, our initial reaction to these things may not be uh, the right one when we're spreading it around decontextualized of, of any analysis. CNN is obviously not broadcast in China. Explain what the CNN video is. Okay, so the CNN video, which I saw first today, is a video of a uh, foreign correspondent who's standing outside of a hospital in Tianjin, and he's reporting live to the uh, the, the CNN broadcast, and uh, he seems to be broadcasting uh, uh, on Skype using maybe his cell phone, and he's giving a report of the disaster and giving a report of uh, sort of the medical services and the situation around the hospital. And um, shortly after he begins talking in this video, very quickly after he begins talking in this video, uh, he's approached by some people who physically accost him and are yelling at him, delete it, delete it, delete it. And then the, the camera work gets very shaky and then the video cuts off. And that was originally spread around very, very quickly um, in sort of a lamentation of the efforts of the Chinese authority to tamp down coverage of this. And it was sort of put up as an example of how the authorities are, are trying to prevent the spread of information about this tragedy. Well, there was a last part to the video that, you're, that, that you didn't say, and that was the, the, the main broadcaster when it went, when the guy was, ta- you know, he, he was tackled to the ground. It was a very physical uh, altercation. <laughs> yeah, it was a very physical altercation. And um, the broadcasters made a very moralizing uh, remark how the Chinese authorities, specifically, he said the words authorities, uh, are prone to do things like this, are prone to restrict information. I don't uh, remember know, the exact I, look, quote. To be totally honest, I thought the commentary that he put on the end of it was relatively even-handed and objective. He said, this is something that sadly has happened to our correspondents in many cases in the past when they've attempted to cover important stories in China. And I think that is objectively true. Absolutely. And, and okay, so explain how this became a phenomenon. Okay, so this became a phenomenon because initially people were spreading it around as evidence that the authority was trying, the authorities were trying to prevent discussion and coverage of this uh, of this event. And um, then a little bit later, uh, there was a longer video that was released. Um, in which it showed, um, number one, that the guy was standing in front of the emergency room and he w- had actually been there reporting for quite some time. He was, sh- you know, uh, uh, pointing his camera at a lot of people who were milling about in front of the uh, in front of the hospital, looking very worried and traumatized in the wake of this tragedy. Um, and that also, very importantly, as CNN uh, announced via their Twitter in an official correction, um, he was not accosted by uh, authorities or uh, members of the security. He was uh, assaulted by um, regular uh, people, friends and, and family members of people who have been affected by this tragedy. And once it's recontextualized, in that way, it starts to seem like, well, you know, maybe this wasn't a case of, of uh, authoritarian overreach. Maybe it was a case of um, a reporter who's trying to get a story and, and wasn't being totally sensitive to the to the emotions in that particular environment, and uh, and for that reason was was confronted by a kind of understandable and natural outburst of emotion by people who had been hit very hard. And also, I think it should be noted, it seemed like he was filming with uh, with his camera and not with a real camera crew. So it's totally possible that the people who were then confronting him did not realize that this guy was a correspondent. They just saw a foreigner who was there with his phone standing in front of a hospital pointing at all the people who had been devastated by this tragedy. Um, a guy outside of a hospital after more or less a bomb went off in the middle middle of the city taking extensive selfies. Right. If, if you, if, you know, looking he, at he, from another... He wasn't filming it himself, was he? I don't think so. I, I think it he may that have way. been, yeah. It looked really? that okay. way. It, I mean, yes. 
Yeah, the the inherent like disrespect of like taking selfies at certain moments, that's a discussion for sure. for another day. And what, so what's interesting about this is that it went viral in China. So this was an English newscast. Mm-hmm. So and this all happened today. Yes. This, today. On the day of this recording. Yes. So this, uh, the, the first video and then the second video and all these subsequent reactions, this all happened over the course of one afternoon. It, right? Yeah, and, and I think it's cool because it, it actually sort of illustrates the life cycle of the viral video where something comes out totally devoid of context. People jump to a lot of conclusion. There's a pushback against that conclusion. Uh, it gets sort of recontextualized and then some sort of, you know, maybe better narrative emerges. I think one of the more remarkable things is that it leapt languages. People often talk about how the divide between the Chinese internet and the, and the English internet. And so this, this was an English broadcast. And then because it was so relevant to China, because it initially looked, you know, with the authorities uh, aspect of it, it looked like um, a de- people were saying, this, we, are, we, are losing fa- you know, we are losing face in the eyes of the world. This is, this is a, another area where China is backwards. It became... Um, an opportunity that I saw, at least in, in the earlier hours, for Chinese people to criticize China. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was translated, it was dubbed, in, it wasn't dubbed, there, there was um, subtitles at the bottom in Chinese, almost concurrent with the actual news video being released. Which is pretty remarkable, just the speed of that. Yeah, I mean, I find uh, any, not any sort, but uh, for a lot of videos, um, and, and I'll refer to China Smack, because they are a pretty good source for, for getting like internet comments, at least, um, like when there when there are any of these stories uh, that could be viewed at from either side, either uh, the the foreign reporters being disrespectful, um, and uh, or the other way of looking at it is that uh, oh these people are being too rough and, and China's losing face because of their actions. Um, you'll see both camps very clearly, and it and, and not too much will uh, at, at least when all is said and done with, with a particular viral video, um, people will stay in those camps. And it's not, as, not so much a conversation between the two that's going on as people are talking about what outrages them or, or whatever their personal take on this video is going to be. But it sounds like the CNN video gave an opportunity for reflection on some Big uh, time. For, for some of these people. I wonder if, I mean, this is something that I don't think any of us could, could answer right now, but I wonder if there will be that reflection or if anybody has sort of maybe softened up a little bit on the way like this was this was something that was reported on television are the reporters gonna show any contrition and say like oh we got it wrong there Uh, there was there was a major tweet by cnn that has been retweeted by tons and tons and tons of china watchers that i saw uh, at least so far i think it's been retweeted at least 200 times i don't you know not you know the people who initially saw the broad it's not going to reach the same amount of people Mm -hmm. um for sure but it was a retraction. But it was, was it was a definite retraction. What I saw was that it got screen captured and sent around in China. Yep. So, so to Eli's point earlier, originally it was an opportunity for reflection in that people, people were very uh, willing to actively criticize the government, to actively criticize the Chinese government. This is a, 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 an awful reflection of us on the world stage. And then when it came out that it was just grieving, you know, fresh grievers who were stopping what looked like a selfie-taking white guy uh, outside of the hospital people kind of retracted they said maybe we were we don't we were too quick to adopt a narrative that it's been going on in china which is that you know that that china is bad and the west is good right so i mean i would just say you know wait till we hear the escalator side of the story (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man, that sounds like a fantastic, fantastic place to wrap it up. Unless I, anybody else has any further. Well, I know I would just like to footnote say I'm, I don't want to trivialize that tragedy. You know, we're we're here. Uh, you're too fucking sensitive. Come on. How dare uh, you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if if anybody thinks that we we take. Uh, people's lives not seriously enough you can send us an email you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can send us an email we got a filter for that Com- complaints oh, at no. chunderliving.com yeah but I, I do think at this moment it would be a good time to reiterate what eli said at the beginning and that is that our our thoughts prayers and um and you know anything that anyone in the tianjin area listening to this um you know our we're going to post some stuff about blood donation which i know has been a a big issue um, in the hospitals, they're all overcrowded now. They're not made, obviously, for the equivalent of 21 tons of TNT to go off in the middle of the city. So it was an awful tragedy. And um, everyone listening should read up about it because it's, uh, it's huge news here in China. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of the social media discussion that has arisen around this incident has brought out the, the more humane side of, of the public um, and, and people celebrating the heroism of, uh, of the firefighters who died, uh, trying to, to save people during totally. that, that incident, the first responders, and uh, in, in expressing their, their sympathy to the people who were affected. So it's not just reveling in the graphic imagery. Um, it, it can also uh, it trigger a little bit of reflection. Yeah, and and tra- I, tragedy is also such a common theme throughout so many of these videos that we talked about and videos which have gone viral in China. Yeah, it's nice when... Uh, some some grassroots activism can be activated um, by these kinds of videos, and that they're, they're not just there for our uh, afternoon af- entertainment. Uh, you whatever. guys may have seen. I mean, I, I I honestly broke down in tears when I was looking at the uh, one of the things that was circulated widely, which was the screenshots of a, of a of a WeChat. Oh, um, a conversation between one of the firefighters and one of his friends, uh, you know, moments before he went into the disaster. To tell, just say, speak to that because that, yeah, that was really moving. Um, yeah, you know, again, you know, that was within one of the posts that was circulated um, in sympathy to the people who were affected and, and in celebration of of the people who, uh, who who rose to the occasion to try to help people in need. Um, and it included screenshots of a conversation between one firefighter and, um, you know, presumably his friend or another firefighter. And it was... I think he, it was, ended up being two firefighters. Two firefighters, yeah. And, and he was saying, you know, um, uh, so-and-so just died. Um, I'm, I'm in the car. I came here to cry for a minute. Um, I'm, I'm going back in. Um, if I don't come out, um, please, please take care of my dad. You know, my dad is your dad. And, and the friend was saying, um, yeah, your dad's my dad. You know, I'll, I'll take care of him. You take care. And um, so that's that's really moving. And um, uh, yeah, we, we don't we don't want to overlook that uh, these things can can trigger our, our baser instincts, but they can also help us get in touch with our common humanity. Wonderful here, here. way to wrap it up. Here, here. Do you guys have any recommendations, things to check out? I, I just want to reiterate, you already mentioned your story in Vice. Um, Zach being published in Vice is a major accomplishment for you. Bong, bong, Zach bong, is, bong, yeah, bong, Zach's bong. working on a book right now, and uh, this is a major step in, in a great direction. So congratulations on that. We'll definitely link to that. I recommend people check that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll post uh, all the like, videos of everything that we talked about it would be interesting to where where do we draw the line on which of these videos (laughs) actually that yeah that's a that's a great point uh we should uh, we will will post videos of one kind of stabbing we can put uh (laughs) put, uh, not not safe for life links yeah we're gonna figure out where we draw the line um thank you for listening to the podcast um check out the rest of our podcasts at chondaliving.com 
can download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or you can stream from the website. Uh, we have Twitter and Facebook accounts. Check us out on there. And we have a forum at chengduforum.com if you are here in Chengdu. Yeah, come say hi. And leave a, leave a comment in the thread below this post on the website yeah. to keep the discussion going. Absolutely. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.